0: Welcome back to the Such Things Podcast. I'm David. So glad to have you with us today. Happy New Year. If you're listening along in real time, welcome to 2022. Uh, We're so glad that you're with us today talking about Jesus, looking at the gospel of John. We're in John chapter 10, 11, and 12 today. And you may say, wait a second, you skipped John 9. Yes. Yes. Yes, I did. You caught me. Um, so look, I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a sermon, a lesson from John chapter nine from my good friend Jake Jensen. It's going to link you to the, our Grand Strand Church Facebook page. So we've been spending some time here in Myrtle Beach in the Gospel of John, and uh, Jake took took care of chapter nine for us. Uh, he did a fantastic job. Uh, so. I'm going to just link it, check it out, and we're just going to move right on to John chapter 10, 11, and 12. Let's talk today about something that I think is really going to help you out here as we start a new year together. Let's look at the good shepherd and the good sheep. Let's look at our good shepherd and let's figure out how we can be a good sheep here in a new year. Uh, Let's start off reading together. John chapter 10, verse 1. Read along if you can. Get your coffee. Have a sip. And let's jump into a new year, a new podcast, and a new chapter here. John chapter 10. Very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus told them again Very truly, I tell you, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I'm the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock And one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my father. The Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he's demon possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Stop right there, right there. Let's talk about the good shepherd, shall we? Um, I'm going to be sharing some things with you from a commentary here, an old commentary that that I've loved reading that I got from my dad years ago by William Barclay, the great William Barclay, looking at uh, his commentary on the Gospel of John in volume two. And um, we're looking here at this this shepherd image. Barclay tells us that the the picture, quoting, the picture of the shepherd is woven into the language and imagery of the Bible, all through the Bible. Let me just read to you. In the Old Testament, God is often pictured as the shepherd and the people as his flock. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Sounds pretty familiar, Psalm 23. Thou didst lead thy people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Psalm 77, of course, Barclay quoting from the King James here. Psalm 79, we thy people, the flock of thy pasture, will give thanks to thee forever. Here in Psalm 80, give ear, O shepherd of Israel. Thou who leadest Joseph like a flock. Psalm 95, he is our God and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Again, Psalm 100. God's anointed one, the Messiah, is also pictured as the shepherd of the sheep, Barclay tells us. He will feed his flock like a shepherd he will gather the lambs in his arms and will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. From Isaiah chapter 40, on and on the image of the shepherd. Um, Ezekiel has a Barclay tells us here has a has a tremendous indictment of the false leaders of God's people who seek their own good rather than the good of the flock. He says, woe to the shepherds of Israel. Should not shepherds feed the sheep? Ezekiel chapter 34. He goes on. um, It says here, the leaders of the church, even in the New Testament, are the shepherds and the people are the flock. We learn that. Of course, Peter addresses uh, the elders Uh, As shepherds, in fact, as pastors. The very word pastor is the Latin word for shepherd. Over and over in Scripture, shepherd is an image that God brings us back to again and again and again. Why? Barclay says it's because of the unceasing vigilance and patience that's uh, embodied in the shepherd. Let me just read a little bit more from Barclay here. He says this, The main part of Judea was a central plateau, stretching from Bethel to Hebron for a distance of about 35 miles, and varying from 14 to 17 miles across that plateau. The ground, for the most part, was rough and stony. Judea was much more a pastoral than an agricultural country and was therefore inevitable that the most familiar figure of the judean uplands was the shepherd his life was very hard no flock ever grazed without a shepherd and he was never off duty there being little grass the sheep were bound to wander and since there were no protecting walls the sheep had constantly to be watched. On either side of the narrow plateau, the ground dipped sharply down to the craggy deserts, and the sheep were always liable to stray away and get lost. The shepherd's task was not only constant, but dangerous. For in addition, he had to guard the flock against wild animals, especially against wolves. And there were always thieves and robbers ready to steal the sheep. Uh, One traveler in Palestine wrote this, On some high moor, across which at night the hyena's howl, when you meet him, sleepless, farsighted, weather-beaten, leaning on his staff, and looking out over his scattered sheep, every one of them on his heart, you understand why the shepherd of Judea sprang to the front in his people's history, why they gave his name to their king, and made him the symbol of providence, why Christ took him as the type of self-sacrifice. Constant vigilance, fearless courage, patient love for his flock were the necessary characteristics of the shepherd. I love it. I love it. Just picturing that shepherd looking out over his flocks I remember running through the, uh, the mountains of Romania years ago as a, I guess I was in college and I was there for a few weeks um, serving and working at, with the orphanage there with Hope Worldwide. And I went out for a run through the mountains, this uh, sleepy road early in the morning. And as I came around a bend, I, I, I saw a, a flock of sheep walking out across the hillside and uh, and there were the shepherds, a couple of young shepherds leading out their flocks for the day. And I had to just stop and just kind of observe. And of course, I thought about the Bible and all these references and how could I not think about King David, the great king of God's people? He was a shepherd as was Moses, incidentally, (laughs) so many great men of the Bible. But it says here in Psalm 78, it says, He, God, chose David, his servant, and took him from the sheep pens, from tending the sheep he brought him, to be the shepherd of his people, Jacob, of Israel, his inheritance. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands, He led them. David, before he was a great king and a warrior, a giant killer, (laughs) he was a lowly shepherd boy. That's where he learned how to be a king. That's where he learned how to shepherd God's people. In generations later, his great, great, many times great over grandson would be born in a manger. Jesus, the son of David, the great king, the chief shepherd of God's people. I love that this is Jesus' choice for identity here with his people a shepherd. See, our king was and is a shepherd. Is a heart of a shepherd. Listen to his heart here. Back in John 10 and verse 27, he says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand because they're my sheep. And he says, they listen to my voice. I know them. They follow me. There's a lot here in John 10 about the shepherd's voice and about the sheep responding to his voice, knowing, recognizing that voice. Let let me read some more from, from Barclay here about the shepherd and voice. It is strictly true that the sheep know and understand the eastern shepherd's voice and that they will never answer to the voice of a stranger. H.V. Morton has a wonderful description of the way in which the shepherd talks to the sheep. Sometimes he talks to them in a loud, sing-song voice, using a weird language unlike anything I've ever heard in my life. The first time I heard this sheep and goat language, I was on the hills at the back of Jericho. A goat herd had descended into a valley and was mounting the slope of an opposite hill. When turning round, he saw his goats had remained behind to devour a rich patch of scrub. Lifting his voice, he spoke to the goats in a language that Pan must have spoken on the mountains of Greece. It was uncanny because there was nothing human about it. The words were animal sounds arranged in a kind of order. No sooner had he spoken than an answering bleat shivered over the herd, and one or two of the animals turned their heads in his direction. But they did not obey him. Remember, these are goats we're talking about here, not sheep. The goat herd then called out one word and gave a laughing kind of whinny. Immediately a goat with a bell around his neck stopped eating, and leaving the herd, trotted down the hill, across the valley, and up the opposite slopes. The man, accompanied by this animal, walked on and disappeared around a ledge of rock. Very soon, a panic spread among the herd. They forgot to eat. They looked up for the shepherd. He was not to be seen. They became conscious that the leader with the bell on his neck was no longer with them. From the distance came the strange laughing call of the shepherd. And at the sound of it, the entire herd stampeded into the hollow and leapt up the hill after him. W.M. Thompson, in his book, I'm still quoting Barclay here, he has the same story to tell. The shepherd calls sharply from time to time to remind them of his presence. They know his voice and follow on. But if a stranger call, they stop short, lift up their heads in alarm. And if it's repeated, they turn and flee because they know not the voice of a stranger. I have made the experiment repeatedly. This is exactly John's picture. H.V. Morton goes on to tell of a scene that he saw in a cave near Bethlehem. Two shepherds had sheltered their flocks in the cave during the night. How are the flocks to be sorted out? One of the shepherds stood some distance away and gave his peculiar call, which only his own sheep knew. And soon his whole flock had run to him because they knew his voice. They would come for no one else, but they knew the call of their own shepherd. An 18th century traveler actually tells how Palestinian sheep could be made to dance, quick or slow, to the peculiar whistle or the peculiar tune on the flute of their own shepherd. Every detail of the shepherd's life lights up the picture of the good shepherd, whose sheep hear his voice and whose constant care is for his flock. I love that. Well, do you, do I? Do we recognize his voice? Do we know his voice? Are we listening for his voice? He is a good shepherd. He's leading forth his people. He wants to lead you into a new year. He's a good shepherd. But am I a good sheep? We're going to come back to that thought when we hit chapter 12. But let's move on for now. We're going to stick with this. Let's move on to John chapter 11. Let's look here at our good shepherd in action. Okay, we're going to find here one of his sheep has come under attack from the wolf, has been killed, has died. And let's see what the good shepherd has to do about it. John chapter 11, read on with me here. In verse 1, I'm still working on the coffee here today. Let's go on. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. One of the sheep is sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Skipping down to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you're the Messiah, the son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you'll see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of those standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. A sheep has died. One of his flock, a good friend. Apparently, Jesus had a close relationship with this family. I I think that, that their home was sort of like his base when he was visiting Jerusalem. It was only two miles away. And I think it was a place he could escape from the hustle and bustle of when he was in Jerusalem and go, go be in a safe place with people he loved and people who loved him. And one of those sheep, one of his friends, Lazarus, has, has died, has, has succumbed to that, that, that wolf that's going to get us all someday, death. And the other sheep in this little flock here, this little family there, they're hurting, they're hurting bad. And the shepherd comes to the rescue, doesn't he? and there's there's this interesting there's a lot of interesting moments here how he delayed his coming and you see his his sheep they're they're hurting the sisters they're they're hurting they're even they're even kind of blaming him. you know sometimes the sheep will will bite back at the shepherd <laughs> and they' they 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 they're putting the blame on him a little bit. you know where were you? you could have been here. But do you notice just his deep care and concern, his compassion for his sheep? The shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept. It says, once more, he was deeply moved. And, you know, of course, you have to ask the question I mean, he knew what he had come to town to do, he knew he was going to rescue this sheep from death itself. He knew. He was going to save them from sorrow. He knew how this story was going to end. So why weep? Why cry? Why why be so moved? He knew that the victory was at hand, but I think it shows us something about our Shepherd. The heart of our good Shepherd is one of compassion and empathy. He's they're hurting, and so he's hurting. Empathy is so important and often so lacking in our world. I have been distressed to see how many Christians have lacked empathy. And in this past couple of years, there's a lot that's gone on and there's been a lot of anger. And there's been a lot of accusations thrown around Well, you're a racist, you're this and that. And, but I've, I've been, I've been upset to see how many of my white brothers and sisters can't take a moment to have some empathy for our black brothers and sisters. When, when when sheep in our, in the flock are hurting, what I see here is that Jesus hurt with them. He is our good shepherd. But that's not what we're preaching about today. But empathy and compassion certainly is one of the great traits of our, our good shepherd. And we see him coming to the rescue here. And at the sound of the good shepherd's voice, remember all the references in John 10 to his voice? It was at the sound of his voice, Lazarus, Come out. And the sheep came back to life. Lazarus walked, the dead man walked out of the tomb. This is the mighty voice of your shepherd. Yes, he's a man of compassion and empathy. But let me tell you what, he will also go like David when needed. He will kill the lion and the bear. At his voice, he commands any and every situation. He can bring life back to your life, he can bring life back to a marriage. That is on the brink of divorce. He can bring life back to it. He can bring life back to your faith when your faith is hurting and has taken a hit. At a word from his voice, from the voice of your shepherd, he can bring life back to your career. He can bring life back to your sick body. He can bring life back to your tired soul. He can bring life back to your broken down vehicle. (laughs) It's who he is, church. This is the good shepherd with a word, with his voice. Our good shepherd is a mighty shepherd. One word from his voice can change any situation. Don't you ever forget that. This is Jesus. The resurrection And the life. That's our good shepherd. That's your good shepherd. We need to go into this new year with the confidence that we are being shepherded. We are being led out into green pastures. We will be delivered from the lion and the bear. But we got one more chapter, John chapter 12. I just got to read a few verses here to bring us in for a closing here. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary, the sister took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, "'Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It's worth a year's wages.'" He did not say this because he cared about the poor, because he was a thief, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money back, he used to help himself to what was put into it. "'Leave her alone,' Jesus said. "'It was intended that she should save this perfume "'for the day of my burial. "'You will always have the poor among you, "'but you will not always have me.' Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews who found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. All right, so Lazarus is raised from the dead and Jesus comes back a, a short short, short time later here and the special meal is happening in his honor. I'm, I, you know, instead of a funeral, they're celebrating that Jesus raised their brother back to life and And this very special sheep comes into the scene, Mary. We've looked at the good shepherd, but I want to look at Mary, the the sister of Lazarus, as an example of the good sheep. What an incredible example of a good sheep. See what she did here? Let's, Let's see what we can learn from her. She comes to Jesus. Back in chapter 11, she brought her needs to Jesus, raw and vulnerable. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. I don't know about you, but that sounds a little disrespectful. Like, how could you say that? But you know what she's doing? She's being a good sheep. She's coming to the good shepherd, bringing her needs, her feelings, her her, her desperate requests. She's even a little maybe upset, right? I mean, obviously upset, Maybe with Jesus. But she's just bringing it to the Good Shepherd. And you see how she just, she loved him. She followed his voice. And look what she does here in in chapter 12. She's worshiping him. She's sacrificing for him. I mean, this perfume was worth a year's wages. Worth tens of thousands of dollars, modern dollars. And she's just I mean, who does this? This is like a, a an intimate, I mean, like like washing his feet with her hair. but she's being a good sheep, just she's just so moved to worship him, to thank him, to sacrifice for him. How about you and me? Do we hold back our emotions? Are we willing to cry it out in prayer when needed? Do we worship with all of our heart like this? Or do we we hold back? I don't want to look like, I don't want to look crazy. Are we embarrassed? Are we ashamed to just, just let it all out? Do we sacrifice for him? Or are we stingy? Do we trust in him? Do we bring it all to him? She is an incredible example here of of a good sheep. You know, we talk a lot about the good shepherd, but how about the good sheep? Mary's a great example here of the good sheep for us. Are we good sheep for our good shepherd? There's another really interesting story. I just got to read this one verse. Back, we were in um, John chapter 10. But back in Luke chapter 10, we have another little story where we meet Martha and Mary and Jesus is at their home. And there's another meal going on, and it says this: Mary had a uh, Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Listening to the shepherd's voice. You can go read that story. There's actually a bit of a conflict between the sisters about the fact that she was listening to his voice instead of, you know, preparing the meal. But but over and over, when Jesus said in John 10 uh, about being the good shepherd, he talked about that the sheep know, recognize, and listen to his voice. Mary was a good sheep, not just because she, she brought all of her needs to Jesus vulnerably, not just because she worshipped and sacrificed for Him, you know, and, and it wasn't ashamed, but also because she listened to His voice. Guys, this is the one I'm really, I feel like I'm like on a journey of learning this one. I, I think that maybe there's a lot more Jesus is trying to say to me that I'm not hearing. I wonder if there's a lot more Jesus would like to say to us. He's a good shepherd, but are we good sheep? Are we good at listening? Are we good at recognizing his voice? I think sometimes there's just, there's too much noise in the world around us. There's so much noise and distraction. There's so much media, there's so much noise, so many other voices in our world that we can and do choose to listen to. And let me say this the Good Shepherd, he rarely shouts. He rarely shouts. He doesn't, sometimes he will. Sometimes Jesus will shout and get your attention in life, but not often. He usually won't shout over the noise. I think there just can be so much, too much distraction in my life. Well, I'm not listening intently to Jesus. Sometimes there's just too much self reliance, too much selfishness. There's so much of me, there's not enough room for the good shepherd. I think this is where fasting comes in. The lost art of fasting. I know here in our church, we're going to, in a few weeks here, we're going to go into a season of prayer and fasting to start the year. Maybe you need to do that. You know, meditation, Bible study, quiet Bible study, just reading the Word of God, pulling out a journal, writing down your thoughts quietly. Letting the Holy Spirit kind of lay things on your heart and mind. Turn down the volume of the world around you. Change the channel. Let's hear the voice of the Good Shepherd. He's out there. We have a good, good shepherd. But let's resolve to be good sheep in the year ahead. We'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us here on the Such Things Podcast. the lord today but he is all my hope instead a god is good his name is great hallelujah